It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the PM of Ausbiz on this Friday afternoon, live from our Barangaroo studios. Great to have you, company. For the next hour, you're tuned in to the call. Ten stocks picked by you. I put those stocks to our expert panel, and uh, they run the ruler over over each of them, and we do it all in one hour on this 11th of November Remembrance Day. Our two experts on the show today: Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Uh, afternoon, guys. How are you? Well, thanks. Good to be here. Good. You're both buoyant. You're both sort of going into the weekend, the Dow up over a thousand, the NASDAQ up over 700. It's the end of the bear market. Do you think, Luke? Oh, well, you don't start. Oh, come (laughs) on. Where's the excitement? Look, it feels good, no doubt about that. I mean, yeah, a rough start to the year, especially on a Friday. It's it's good to see it's good to see moves like this, particularly in some of these really beaten down stocks. Um, look, I found it really interesting last night. Look, the, I think the market was positioned for inflation to be worse than what was predicted. That that's sort of been the play for the last three or four CPI prints out of the US, um, and of course this time it comes in slightly under expectations. The, the, the you know, options, options play market um, would have been left with their pants down, a lot of short cover. Um, what I find a little bit interesting is I don't think it was too unexpected to think that we would start to see some weaker numbers um, because always keep in mind that inflation is a rate of change measure. You know, the base effects mm. of what you're cycling last year is so important and we're just starting to cycle those big numbers from um, from the, the back end of 2020. So it was natural we're going to see that headline number start to weaken a little, that that core coming in less than expectations is probably what saw that really, you know, that, those animal yeah. spirits come coming back. Um, but look, I, I'm not out there, you know, crowing from the rooftops and, and, and plowing back into the market. Okay. Um, I actually think on a day like today, it's not the worst thing to maybe make some rotations in your portfolios. If you get some bounces in things you've got a little bit lower conviction in, day, like days like today, the ones where you sort of take okay. those profits. So so get could, so get rid of your crap. Yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, if like, you've still got the, it. Yeah. That's what you do with these. You know, if it is yeah. a bear market rally, that's what you use these okay. for. Uh, you're sort of getting a reprieve from these stocks that have been beaten down. You've got lower conviction in them. And, and look for some of those names where, um, you know, you've got your watch list of things you want to buy. Today's the day you might be looking at them. So, look, no, not complaining at all, but but still a little okay. bit cautious on where we are. Uh, you talk about animal instincts. The dogs have been barking at, uh, in the Walker household. Um, so so what do you reckon, Claude? Are you, is it the, the end of the bear? Or is this the start of the, of the, of the bulls running? Well, uh, I, I do think that we... You know, with the potentially slowing down of CPI, still very high at sort of 80s, 1980s levels. But 
with that potentially turning around, I think that that was sort of one of my signs that I wrote down beforehand that that might be a little bit of a sign when I would, I'd probably want to be buying some, like just starting to ease in, but keeping in mind I'm coming from a position where I've already, I've already sold the market rallies a long time ago. I think it was like back in April or March. I was like, I'm using this rally to sell my, yeah. sell my lower quality stuff. So now I'm actually more of a mindset of I do want to get back in and I know the market is rallying today. So I'm not saying today is the best day ever to buy anything. But look, the, the situation is, is I'm basically going to use all of these little signals that, you know, maybe things are at least halfway through the bear market. And I think this is one of those signs that, yeah, look, I think now we're probably at least halfway through the bear market. So you could start easing in. And I, and I have very gradually been putting a little bit more money into the market. Um, but for example, you know, some even though a lot of stocks are up, there are still some stocks today that haven't moved too much, and um, the one I bought hadn't hasn't moved a lot. Or when I when I looked at it, so you, I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to chase some stock that's up 10% for no reason today. Uh, oh. That that's not the case, and I okay. do agree with what Luke said. Is if in that scenario, you, if there's a big bounce in something you're low conviction on, that's a good opportunity still okay. to get out. Claude, is there? A, give me one stock. I'll ask you as well, Luke. Um, Claude, give me one stock that you've you've just been watching and think, okay, when the market turns, um, this is on the top of my watch list. Yeah, sure. Well, so the stock that I've been looking at for ages, like I think when um, there's a company called RPM Global. You know, many yeah. people may have heard of it. It's not unheard of. Just that uh, mining software company, uh, quite resilient growth throughout this period. Uh, just because, uh, well, uh, partly just they're in the proce process of transitioning people to more recurring revenues, and also partly because obviously mining companies are going pretty well, so they're not feeling too hesitant to sign new contracts and with a bit of expansion there. That's good for them. So. And they also have an advisory part of their business that's definitely leveraged the mining cycle. So yeah, the stars are lining pretty well for them, but they are, you know, not obviously cheap to me just because they're not quite profitable. They're about to, they reckon, become profitable. And so I've just been sitting there, you know, the stock got down to, you know, around $1.50 for quite a, quite a few times. And I really didn't take the advantage because I was just uh, trying to wait. Oh, I just wanted around $1.20, you know, and yeah. then it just didn't really get there. So I disclose, I do hold some of this. I have just bought some. But I've been looking to top up on it because it's quite a small okay. position for me. And if if I knew for sure today that the bear market was over, then I would jump into this one because um, I, I would like to own it definitely for the next up cycle as well. Okay. Uh, Luke, have you got a stock that's been top of your watch list and just waiting for all of the bears to wash out? Yeah, look, similar to Claude Koshy, it's one I actually own, but it's a small waiting and, and one I would possibly or definitely look to add to if I knew the bear market was over. Um, a stock called IntelliHR, Claude and I discussed it the other week and um, we, we touched on the, the biggest issue that the company has is its capital position, um, you know, burning cash, that cash balance is running low and the market knows there's, you know, a capital injection coming and so stocks like that have been beaten down very heavily. Now, in this market, if you were to say to me this bear market is over, to me that would signal um, confidence coming back into the market, capital becoming you know cheaper and easier right. to access for businesses like this. So that's sort of how I'd approach that question. I'd look mm. for businesses who have operationally performed really well, but have been punished in this market because of capital questions. Yep. Um, now, of course, it's a big if, if the bear market's over, but, but that's how I would look at it, is, is businesses who, who sort of need that capital, if the market's gonna be more willing to give it to them, 
um, then operationally they're doing okay. okay and longer term you could you could see some some strong mm. some strong leverage to the upside so right, okay. stocks like that i own intelli hr there's a few others of course in the micro cap space like that but that, that's sort of how i'd approach that that sort of hypothetical yeah, yeah. good advice all right uh, let's look at the uh, stocks we're going to cover in this half hour it's sent through by you uh x2m connect uh zantippi resources Newix, Westar Industrial, and also Doe. Uh, stock of the day, I thought we'd take a look at Accent Group. Uh, they reported this morning, total group sales are up 52% compared to the previous financial year. Um, FY23 gross margin is up as well, uh, basically half a percent. Uh, the stock is uh, up 11, 12% today. Um, a, a good retailer. Retailers have been smashed over the last year or so. Uh, Claude, what do you think of the the Accent Group update today and its stock price at the moment? Well, so I'm not usually big on retail, but Accent Groups does stand out over the years for uh, building a really good a really good business. Basically, uh, some of the you know outlets that viewers may be familiar with, Athletes Foot, uh, Hype DC, Platypus. Um, I think there's Glue is like another brand, and so. Uh, you know, if you zoom out and look at the five or ten year chart of this stock, you know they've actually been a, a, a retailer that does seem to have created value and, and gotten a better business over time. Now, uh, the last little while, last couple of years, results were kind of buoyed by all the COVID stimulus, etc., and people spending more on retail. So I do think you know it, it would be reasonable to have valuation concerns. But today's update, uh, in you know, given that like interest rates are going up, etc. Uh, I think it was very strong and it just shows that, you know, they do have a good business and that if you were looking to buy a retailer at some point in the in the um, next couple of years, this one deserves to be on your watch list just mm. as a decent, good, growing, uh, small cap retailer, profitable, uh, dividend paying. Like, I, I don't think it's quite cheap enough right now to attract me and we're not at the best point in the cycle, uh, given that I think maybe there will actually be harder times ahead for retail. I still think this is definitely one for the watch list. It okay. with like LaVisa and a few others are, are my favourite kind of retailers. God, hasn't LaVisa shot the lights out in the last six months? When all the other retailers have been smashed, uh, I don't know whether it's because it, it got put into the ASX 200, so you had a lot of index funds getting into it. But God, it's had a fantastic run, hasn't it? Yeah, the ASX 200 inclusion can definitely have an impact yeah. when, when it gets in. But uh, at the same time, I think it's fair to say Levisa is is one of the higher quality, or if yeah. not even you know top few highest quality retailers in Australia on the ASX. So so yeah, yeah that, good to see it go well anyway. Yeah, uh, Luke, what do you think of Accent? Yeah, well, look, it's a it's a Brett Blundy um, retailer, Koshi, which um, I think Levisa is as well. So yeah. you know, just from yeah. that alone, you expect to see a quality retailer. Um, today's update was pretty pretty good. I mean, you see that in the share price bounce. Um, the, the, the sales update was 52% sales on, on last year now. They gave, they didn't give a like for like, but I, I would hazard a guess they haven't rolled out too many new stores. So I think a, a lot of that would just be at a, at a store level as well. Um, but the gross margins that you alluded to, you know, 570 basis point improvement in gross margins. Um, there was some weakness last year in FY22, which led to a, a pretty ugly result, to be honest. Um, but I went and had a quick look at what FY19 looked like pre-COVID. Um, and, and, you know, if these gross margins hold through the year, you'd be looking at a record result at, mm. at that sort of level, which would be very impressive. 
Um, Claude highlighted, look, we can sort of foresee the weakness that we, you know, that we'll probably expect in consumers, particularly next year as a lot of these fixed home loans start to roll off and that interest rate pain does start to hit the wallet. Um, I, I had a quick look around consensus as best as I could see for FY23, it's trading on less than 10 times earnings. And I, I think those numbers will get upgraded tonight. We'll, we'll see some broker notes tomorrow, I'm sure. Um, so it's likely even cheaper on that basis, maybe eight or nine times earnings. Um, look, I think for a, a more speculative investor, and when I say speculative, I'm not talking about the business. This is a this is a quality business. Mm. If you held this for five, 10 years, I'm sure you'll do fine. But more speculative over the next year or two, just with the, the issues you're going to see around retail, if you can stomach that sort of, um, you know, volatility, I, I think you could look at, at, at Accent even today for, for a buy mm, um, for, okay. for the right investors, um, right. especially if you compare it to, to something like LaVissa, you're getting a much, much more reasonable um, valuation for growth not as strong and the quality not as high, but but still, you know, easily in the, the yep. top probably five or, or, or six odd retailers in the country. So yeah. um, I, I thought it was a really, really good update today so for those guys. Single digit PE. Uh, JB, I checked JB Hi-Fi today as well. It's only on nine as well. So it just shows yeah, yeah. how those retailers have been thumped. All right, let's get into the stocks that you want me to put to the fellas. Uh, Nick wants a view, Claude, on X2M Connect. Um, really interesting business this one trying to provide sensors and and remote reading gauges like electricity gauges and water gauges and things like that rather than have people come around and look over your front yard at the at the meter yeah that's right so there's sort of internet internet of things monitoring company one of the yeah. examples the ceo gave of the use of their technology included you know being able to sense when somebody's water usage dropped off unexpectedly or something and then alert that that person might need help yeah uh so i guess that's the kind of that's the pitch there and look you know to their credit they do they do have some genuine revenues and and cash flow and that and that's good but what they don't have is a, a lot left in the bank from from what i could see even after raising capital recently uh they had only uh 2.7 million left in cash in september but in the in the quarter they actually burnt through over two million so right yeah it looks looks pretty uh high risk to me definitely would be avoiding it and uh also the, the bigger problem i'd have with it you know notwithstanding whether whether it has a cash crunch or not the bigger problem i'd have with it is i definitely want to see absolute proof that it can actually make a profit because this iot monitoring space as i understand it is you know super competitive obviously you have to have devices and stuff so it's not like you know, you need CapEx to, to roll it out. And quite frankly, um, you know, I would say I have had a tough time in these kind of monitoring businesses generally. Like uh, the economics of them don't always work out as well as you hope and it can be quite competitive. So, right. yeah, I'd, I'd give it a miss. Avoid. Okay. Luke? Um, I actually spoke with the CEO of this business a week or two ago. And I must admit, look, I came away probably more impressed than, than what I expected to be. Um, like as Paul alluded to, I, I looked at the numbers and thought it's a very early stage business, still loss making. It's not the sort of environment right now for these types of businesses. Um, and ultimately, look, I, I probably that probably does still keep me away from from, from jumping in. Um, but look, they've got some some solid customers um, in in Southeast Asia, primarily South Korea, Japan, and, and Taiwan. 
Um, so there's a real sort of proof of concept there that they've, they've got products, they've got customers, they're focused more at that utility level, at the government level, um, rather than um, at the consumer level themselves. Um, you know, near on 300,000 devices out in the market. Um, the, the one thing I did note was most of their revenue is still hardware related. So that, that will be lumpy around deployments and there's a decent pipeline for deployment. So it will continue to look okay. Um, but what you really want to see is that recurring software and maintenance revenue in the background ticking up. Yep. And right now it's only about a million dollars a year. Oh, so okay. if you saw that start to tick up towards maybe three, four, five mil, that gets them closer to that point Ford was talking about where you threw that break even and, mm. and you're a sustainable business. So um, look, I, I put it on my watch list. I thought there's a there's a product there. It's it's still early stage and that's the you know, benefit we have as investors. We can sit back and, and wait for these businesses to prove themselves, as Ford said. Yep. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of upside left for investors even once they get okay. to that point. So it's on my watch list. Look, if you're there, I'd continue to hold it. I, I certainly didn't get anything looking at the business or speaking to the CEO. Sorry, okay. speaking to the CEO that was a red flag, um, but otherwise just on the sidelines for me. All right. Okay. Uh, next stock, Lachlan wants to view uh, Luke on Zantippi Resources, uh, gold exploration uh, company in uh, the Southern Cross region of WA. Gold stocks have been left behind by this market except in the last week or so, week or two, where gold, gold stocks are starting to rally. Um, what do you think of Zantippi? Yeah, look, I'm not a big resources investor, Koshi, as you know, and, and yeah. these guys, a few red flags popped up when I looked at them. And to go back to your point, gold hasn't been a great place to be. And so if you look at their last quarterly report, what these guys have done and have gone and bought some um, tenements over in Argentina to look for lithium. And, you know, whenever I see that sort of behavior in junior miners, my red flags go up. It's, it's yeah. you know, you're chasing the hot stock, the hot commodity um, from a capital position, you know, two mil cash in the bank. There's 500,000 in, in just corporate and admin costs a quarter. So even just to start drilling, these guys need some more capital in them. Um, look, I, like I said, I, I'm not I'm not huge in the space, but I, I look at lithium and I think it's extremely overvalued at a commodity level and then at an equity level for the producers and explorers. Um, so I, I guess they're trying to tap into that excitement. If you're that sort mm. of investor who's who's you know willing to play the punt, maybe this is something to look at. But for me, I, I'd stay away. And, yep. and that sort of behavior, like I said, it's a red flag for me and it probably should be a red flag for most investors. Yep. You want to see management teams, you know, have a goal, stick to it, and not just be chasing what what might be the the hot yep. commodity or the the hot sector. And also in the gold sector and both the lithium sector, we have some really good companies in there with really strong management and great executives as yeah. well, don't we? Am so. I my preference is always for producers as others, well, like yeah. particularly like take lithium right now. It, that commodity feels extremely overvalued. And, and, and let's use coal as an example. Mm. Um, you know, you've got a very high commodity price by the people that are already producing and getting those yep. prices today, yep. um, because in two or three years time, by the by the time these guys, you know, get their minds up and running, get into production, the price would probably be cut in half yep. or more from where they really are. Good so, point. so I'm always, always preferable to, to the producers that are getting those high prices at, at, the, yep. at the current time. Uh, Claude Zandivi? Oh, uh, yeah. So this is like, I think their, their spiel is, you know, oh, we've got some sort of tenement that's right next to Lake Resources Tenement, which is a fellow non-productive lithium company that's gotten super hyped up. And, you know, what we're really seeing is speculative mania in all the lithium micro um, explorer stocks, yeah. uh, which is, you know, just a capitalist response in many ways to the, the spiking lithium price, which will, will probably come down as supply comes on. Uh, anyway, so 
basically, yeah, just absolute caution. This is trading on uh, seven-tenths of a cent. So it's your actual classic Penny Dreadful. Uh, look, it's just there. The only reason you'd be there is for, you know, if you wanted to gamble. And even then, you know, I'd probably like sell sell any set. Like I'd be cautious. I, I suspect it's not worth much at all in the end. But look, if someone's looking at this stock, they're probably just looking at speculating on random lithium things. Just so be careful. That's like, you know, the vibe that's in lithium speckies is the same as what we had in, you know, all of the tech speckies in yeah, back in 2021. Yeah. yeah. And so you, and so don't if it's the guy that bought tech at the top, then probably don't. Just don't buy lithium yep. this time. You can yep. sit it out. Really good point. All right, uh, Claude Frank wants a view on Newix, the uh, the software company that uh, software for advisory firms, litigation, uh, government law enforcement agencies. What do you think of Newix? Yeah, I think the ironic thing is I've always wondered if Newix software is being used to, to audit them now since that they've had some, um, you know, negative regulatory situations going on and of course uh you know if you look at the market release on 20 uh, 29th of september they're talking that um asic has commenced civil proceedings mm. in the federal court against the company and its directors uh so or i think maybe former directors the directors during the a certain period in 2021 not the current directors let me emphasize that so yeah. obviously the turnaround is being attempted new ceo um you know board changes and look, I think what happened here was that it, it seems, it feels like imagine somebody got a pig and put lipstick on it and made it really look pretty. But then as it wore off, we realized it was a pig. And that seems to be what happened with the uh, the Newick story. And so I are, you, think are you saying Macquarie applied the, the lipstick? I don't know who applied the lipstick. I definitely want to don't want to point any fingers, but right. it just seems like this, a pig appeared. It had lipstick on it. I don't know who did it. Um, but then the lipstick came off. And uh, yeah, so we have a real problem with these guys. They have revenue going down. Uh, I'm pretty sure that people thought this was growth stock uh, based on the valuations that it had. And uh, revenue is actually going down. And whilst, meanwhile, expenses are going up. Uh, so I think that's the really crazy thing. You know, they are spending more money. They're really um, going hard at it. And I think. I wouldn't touch it until things have stabilized. Yeah. Like yeah. I want to see a profit or I want to see break even. And then you can start to think about, okay, how much is this thing worth? Because it's quite likely by that stage, the share price will be too low because there probably is an enduring profitable business, yeah. but we just don't know how profitable that would be roughly. Yeah. Uh, Luke, this stock has been nothing short of embarrassing, has it, for all, all those involved after the float getting up to $11 not that long ago, now it's 60 cents. Yeah, yeah. Look, and, and you know, as you alluded to, Koshi Macquarie sort of had their had their part to play, but that's you know that's the markets, and and you know people take responsibility for it. It's all there in the prospectus for, for people to read, um, and that's probably why they're the best you know equity capital markets team in the country. Um, look, I agree with everything Claude just said. Look, the business has gone backwards now for about three years, and um, there's two options you can sort of have as a management team when your your revenue starts to plateau, and that is um, wind back your expenses, consolidate that cost base and, and focus on free cash flow generation or go the other direction and, and you know, ramp up that cost base to, to try and re-spark that growth and get it back. And, and Newix has opted for the latter. Um, I agree with Claude. I would certainly just be on the sidelines waiting to see whether they can execute on that strategy and return to growth. And I possibly suspect, given what we just said about putting a bit of lipstick on the pig, 
there was probably some underinvestment in that year or two prior to the IPO to get those financials looking as good as possible. And so now you're paying the price right. of shareholders for that that investment that needs to be spent. So look, it's had a big fall. It's 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 cheap on on a yeah. on a revenue and, and most likely a profit basis. This is a business that, that should spit out a decent chunk of profits, all things all things considered. Um, but go back to what we said before about X2M Connect. I know they're very different businesses, but you don't have to be there as an investor. Yeah. We have the benefit of sitting okay. there watching. But what about if you are? Happen. You've ridden this thing down. You've married it. You've put it in your bottom drawer and you wake up and go, holy hell, it's down 60 cents. Do you just get out or have you gone through all of the pain? Depends on your tax situation, all that thing, uh, um, which is individual. Yeah. Do you just stick with it? Look, you probably do. What you need to ask yourself is is incrementally what happens from here. Will the news continue to get worse or better? And I just looked at the last few announcements and, and the headlines are, you know, ASIC investigation, um, consolidation, class actions. It's all bad news out in the out in the, the market in, and in the stock price. Um, so it doesn't take much, you know, for management to, to, to maybe execute a bit better than what people expect and to see that sentiment shift. So if you've written it down all this way, I probably would just hold on. Right. Um, that being said, the, the one the one thing I'm always um, sort of sympathetic to is is you know the mental capital that we can expend as investors. If this is you know if it's in your bottom drawer and you're not worried about it too much and you just wait and see what happens, okay. If this is something that's you know frustrating you, keeping you up at night every time you yeah. open your portfolio, so really you're reminded point. of UX. Just that, at that sort of point, I think there's a case to get rid of it and, and deploy your yeah. your capital and your mental capital somewhere else. So. Yeah. That's um, a, otherwise, I'd be on the sidelines. Yeah, that is a really good point and really sensible. It's not worth the emotional stress of doing it. Uh, Claude, um, uh, Hamish wants to be on Westar Industrial, uh, a mining services company, but with a few specialties, a bit different, not a broad mining services company. Westar Industrial, what do you think of them? Well, actually, I think this is one of the more interesting ones we got. So thanks for that question. It, I would have never probably come across this one, just a little micro cap mining services kind of company there. Um, and I would have never really looked at it. But the thing is, I think it's probably in the intersection of a few good trends. So uh, this is constituents of two two main operating business. Oh, I've forgotten one of the, um, but it, the, the names of the operating businesses uh, slipped my mind at this exact moment. But the point is that uh, it it's, kind of it's Simpec and all type yeah, and they probably look all type yep yeah and so they're like doing engineering structural uh, mechanical piping construction um fabrication of pipe plate and uh other sort of turnkey like engineering construction projects so it's not a particularly like high uh, moat business necessarily it really isn't and you can see that in the very low margins so i think we're looking at uh just a couple of percent margins there so 4.3 million off, um, you know, about 5% margins off about 181 million revenue. But the, the real problem with this business is that each year, you know, you need, you need new contracts. So it could go up or down depending on what you win. Having said that, mining services businesses at the moment um, really have been getting a good short-term, medium-term tailwind just from the fact that commodity prices, except for iron ore, have generally been quite high and quite strong. We're seeing good action in the mining industry. And I've really noticed a lot of these mining adjacent business have had strong results. Now, keep in mind, that may not last forever. But mm. for now, I would argue that you probably do still have a bit of a demand tailwind there. 
and operating leverage in this kind of business can be quite powerful. So, you know, if they get a slight improvement to margins and and they manage to match their revenues, it could look okay. And quite frankly, the, the only reason I would even be interested in it is because it looks like, you know, it's not expensively priced and they've got a sort of strong uh, balance sheet. So as long as they didn't go into massively loss-making situation, I think that, you know, there's a good case to be made that mm. even though this is not a very good quality business, it, it is undervalued. I suspect right. it's undervalued. Oh. So what, would you have a buy on it or, or put it on your watch list? It would be... Uh, yeah, it, it, for me, it'll be a watch list. I would. I don't think anyone should expect me to go out and buy this stock anytime soon, just right. because I feel like it's one you'd have to be a bit sensitive for, and probably try and ride as it gets a bit of a re-rate if you hope it gets like okay. one more good year, which I think is quite likely. It would be more of a short-term, medium thing, small amount of money. This is a tiny little speculative company. I think it could move. It might be a risk-reward bet that works out. I, I like the risk reward of it, but I do not like the this kind of business long term. It is hard, okay. and, and I wouldn't play there. Luke, would you play there? Um, yeah, look, I, I think one thing Claude might have sold them a bit short, saying that it looks cheap. I mean, it's it's absurdly cheap. The business is sort of less than five times earnings, and and a, and a good chunk of cash on the balance sheet. Where you know you sort of adjust for that cash, it's it's about three times enterprise value. Um, Look, I don't have the viewer's name who, who emailed it in, but um, like Hamish. Claude, I, yep. Hamish, why I like coming on the call, Koshi, is every now and then you do get these examples. I'm the same as yeah. Claude. I, I remember this business from a couple of years ago, and it, it was okay. It was a you know just an average contracting business, but it really looks like they've got those two operating segments really humming, winning some big contracts. Um, and, and at, at you know again low margin for, for the overall I guess um, market but for, for that sector you know doing about 20% gross margin oh, sorry 11% gross margins isn't too bad like you know mm-hmm. for, for a contractor like mm-hmm. that it's about that average um, so you know I, I, the, the more I looked at it the more I realized I kept expecting to see a skeleton in the closet or, or for some reason yep. why it was trading so cheaply and I, I, I just couldn't find it you know there's no debt on the balance sheet um, you know, they've continued to win some big contracts, but a nice healthy backlog. Um, it is a cyclical business and it's small and, 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 you know, definitely flies under the radar of the wider market. So they're probably the main reasons why it's so cheap. Um, I certainly went and put it straight on my, onto my watch list after, you know, um, looking at it for Hamish this morning. Um, and look, I, I dare say, look, I'll, I'll be a bit more ambitious than, than Claude. I actually think this is a stock you could, you could probably buy for the right, right investor. You know, if you're, if you're a I'll- pensioner in retirement phase, you don't yeah. go and buy something like Westar Industrial, but if you're a more speculative micro cap investor like Claude and I, um, these are the sort of stocks I'd be looking for right now. This is deep, deep value, which which should do. I'd well give it a spec buy. Okay, yeah, spec buy as well. Okay, spec buy. Okay, um, but but yeah, it's it's on my watch list to go and do some more work. Okay, Merryweather Capital. So perfect. Hamish for, for well, yeah, that one. Yeah. De- definitely it wins the day. Definitely it wins the day from Hamish there. Okay, all right, well done, Hamish, and we might follow up and. Get the managing director on the small caps uh, next week segment as well. Find out a bit more about it. Uh, look, Regina wants a view on Doe. This is a, an online financial management um, sort of software program app. Helps you pay your bills, manage your spending, that sort of thing. A bit like a, the old pocketbook. Yeah, look, this is a it's a 2021 stock stuck in 2022, Koshi. Um, right. You know, ticks all the boxes that the market wanted last year of a of a flashy product and, and good customer growth. But 
in 2022, they're a long way from that sustainability that the market right. really wants. So you, you take away their R&D rebate they got in the, loss, in the last quarter. They lost about two million bucks in the, in the one quarter, only three and a half mil in the bank. Um, and the problem that, that you have is they're just coming off such a small base, you know, only 580,000 annualized revenue. You know, that needs to probably 10 times for, yeah. for them to get to break even. That's that's hard to do for any business, even even a smaller one that is growing relatively fast. So okay. um, there's a, there's a I'd, I'd be out of this one. I'd, I'd be selling it if I was in there. And if it's something you're interested in, definitely just sit back okay. and watch it. They need to address that capital position first. Um, but, but yeah, definitely not. Uh, Claude? Yeah, no, no appeal for this at all. Like definitely I'd say one of the worst ones that we've discussed today. Um, I just think that this is a, um, I, like I have to read it seven times. Like, is it really only 100,000 receipts from customers to the um, quarter to September? Uh, and so like these guys seem to be, you know, they got a 2.2 million government grant, which is nice, which has sort of kept their head above water this quarter. But there doesn't seem to be any real uh, receipts, even receipts mm. coming in the door. And so, uh, look, I think it's in a precarious position, as Luke said. But on top of that, I think it's in a super, super duper um, competitive position. I think it has a history of being like a, a hype stock. And, and I remember, I think it was like on Reddit or something and, and definitely on you know Facebook and just yeah. real hype, silly stuff. It was like really one of the examples of this stuff shouldn't even be worth anything. Yet, like you've got people randomly buying shares in it um, based on a you know a social media tip from an anonymous reddit user or something like that <laughs> and right. um it's just it's the it's still it's a zombie now and i think that in the end we see it go away okay all right let's recap our first five stocks in this half our stock of the day accent um has a hold from uh, from claude spec buy from uh, from luke um a stock that they're waiting for the market to turn around that they pick up for Claude, it would be RPM Global and for Luke, IntelliHR. Uh, X2M, uh, a no from Claude, um, a hold from Luke on the WatchLeaks uh, list. Zantippi, a no from both. Uh, Newix, uh, a no from both. Uh, Luke says if you've, if you've held it all the way down with all of this bad user, surely, there can be no worse news coming for this stock. So um, as, lo as long as it doesn't sort of uh, get under your skin and you've, you've, you're emotionally stressed about it, um, you've been through the worst of it, hold. If you're emotionally stressed, just get out of it. Uh, Westar, speculative buy from both of them. Thanks to Hamish for putting it on everyone's radar and Doe, a sell from both. Here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy growth fund as picked by our investment committee. Uh, latest episode of the committee meeting is on the platform osbiz.com. In the November meeting, uh, the committee decided to sell Incitec Pivot, uh, added seven group holdings to the portfolio. Uh, mineral resources holding was trimmed uh, and that uh, trimming was used to increase the weightings in JB Hi-Fi and Wes Farmers. And since the 1st of, the Mar of March, the, uh, the fantasy fund is up 5.5%. Um, and keep sending your uh, requests here for the call because that's the first filter to get up to the investment committee. And uh, Westar will be put before the committee uh, in the December committee meeting.
At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Join us for a wrap-up of the week on the last call this afternoon at 3.45 Eastern Daylight Time. This half hour on the call, we're going to finish up with Touch Ventures, Pepper Money, Swoop, Silk Laser and Telex Pharmaceuticals. Um, Claude Sam wants a view on Touch Ventures. This is uh, basically a listed venture capital group, isn't it, that invests in um, uh, sort of um, uh, IT ventures that uh, leverage off the back of uh, of afterpay. It's quite quite interesting, but but the issue is they're sort of giving back money, uh, doing a capital return at the moment, which I thought you would be buying at the lows, if anything, if you're in that sort of business. Yeah. So this so Touch Ventures is sort of there was a company uh, originally that built the technology that a lot of um, afterpay was using called yeah. Touch Corp, and it had. A bunch of like some ventures plus uh, it had an investment in Afterpay as as one of the ventures that it was backing, and then you know Afterpay basically uh, bought Touch and then sort of spun out the these other ventures, and so uh, you know I, I guess that the story here is if you believe the valuation of all of these a collection of random uh, sort of payment businesses uh, that. You know they have stakes in or they have invested amounts in uh then it is trading below its net asset value and hypothetically as long as uh management do the right thing by you 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 can sort of maybe buy shares and eventually over time you should get you know your money's back uh as as these uh you know various investments come to come to cash out fruition so look you, you could you could do it, like you say. You know the sentiment's low. They're they're buying back shares at the moment, and um, so it would be a, a somewhat bizarre, uncorrelated kind of bet you would want to make that you could make, and it could work. And I'm not a, I'm not super against it if someone feels passionately and if they've done the dive into those assets and they say actually these are some really good uh, companies here, then they, you could have hidden value there. I don't I haven't done the work on their constituent holdings that I would have the confidence to say that. And in any event, I'm quite cautious of uh, sort of payment tech startup. I missed Afterpay, um, but I also missed you know a lot of other payment companies that have actually gone quite badly. So yeah. I'm a bit cautious of that mm. uh, area. So I'd probably avoid it, but maybe there's an argument for yeah. it. Uh, look, it's only been going a year, and it's gone from 47 cents to two. Yeah, yeah. It's um, most of their investments are focused around fintechs and buy now pay later. So when you look at the performance of Zip and Sezzle and you know the, the, the whole basket there, it's probably no surprise that Touch Ventures has, has sort of done this as well. Um, I started looking at it, Koshi, expecting to be very negative, and and ended up seeing some things that I actually found quite interesting. And the main one being is, um, as you alluded to before, the got a big chunk of cash on the balance sheet which they were planning to obviously invest over time but given that venture capital market 
um, drying up so quickly, it's now just sitting there as cash. So at the last report, that was 64 million and the current market cap is only 78. So, you know, that, that becomes interesting to me when you've got that much cash backing, they're doing an on-market buyback and, and that potential return of capital that you were alluding to as well. Um, the big issue I see though is is whenever you have these sort of listed venture capitals that that read through to what do they actually own? And when you have a look, it's it's some very speculative, very early stage stuff, which yeah. has been absolutely hammered in this sort of 2022 environment. So I, I probably don't put a great deal of valuation into the, into the portfolio. There's probably some residual value there, I'm sure. Um, but that cash backing, if I owned this, I definitely wouldn't be selling it just because you're, you're basically at 11 cents, you're selling about nine cents worth of cash, which... Yeah. You know, assuming you've got a rational management team, that's that. You know, that that's not a a, a very good decision. Um, whether I'd be jumping in and buying it, look again, I'd probably just be on the sidelines, just watch it. Um, you know, make sure they're actually putting that cash to work. They're doing a meaningful buyback, not just one of these buybacks where you announce it and then not actually get not much actually gets done. Um, and you probably want to see what they're doing with those portfolio companies. If you see yeah. some outcomes there where maybe they're able to realise some some of their investments and and sort of get some cash back. Um, that would get me interested as well. So, yeah, I wasn't as negative as what I thought okay. I would be. I'd probably hold it if you're there. All right. Uh, our next stock, um, Luke, Pepper Money, the um, the home loan um, group as well, also uh, um, commercial loans as well, personal loans. Yeah, well, look, we were talking about Westar Industrial before being extremely cheap. These guys are alongside them. Um, I opened up their their last result and, and thought they were trading on about ten times earnings until I realised I was looking at the half year. Right. Um, you know, so an, annualise that. You're looking at sort of sub five times earnings here. Now, obviously, some caveats to that. So these guys, they're they're a non bank um, mortgage provider, um, and that has been a space over the last few years that has done okay. And and mostly that's because they've been they've been able to access some really low rates at the wholesale level. Um, and, and earn some some pretty hefty net interest margins because they're effectively sourcing financing for you know near zero and, yeah. and, and lending it out to people. Now, when the banks have reported recently, the focus has been on that net interest margin expanding because the banks are obviously passing on the interest rate rises and they've got that depositor base where you know if anyone's got their money in a savings account with CBA like I do, um, you know you, you haven't seen any of these interest rate rises come through to that level yet. So the banks are seeing some nice NIM expansion. These guys are actually going the other way. So in that last report, that net interest margin mm. actually contracted a little bit because their wholesale funding is getting more expensive for them right. and they can't pass on as quickly to their to their customer base. So there's a few dynamics there where they're probably not as healthy as the banks from that point of view. The other one as well, of course, is, is right now, I looked at their last report, they've got record low um, sort of bad loans or delinquencies. And, Go bring the conversation right back to Accent Group, and we said you can sort of see that cliff coming um, yep. early next year as the start of those fixed interest loans roll off. So, look, if you're there, I probably wouldn't sell it, but understand the risk of where you are. This isn't a you know bottom draw for the next 20 years stock. It's heavily leveraged for the Aussie housing market, which you know could be very volatile over the next few months. Um, but it's undoubtedly cheap. You're getting a very good dividend yield for the minute. Um, but just just yeah, it's not one just Watch just. It make sure you're keeping a close eye on yep. it if it's in your portfolio. Um, so definitely a hold for me. Yeah. Uh, Claude, what do you think of Pepper? And, you know, NAB, NAB sort of had a terrific update during the week, but the outlook, 
was saying, gee, it's a highly competitive mortgage market at the moment. And all of these revert rates coming through in March or April, they were, they were warding on that as, as Luke intimated as well. And, and these guys will be right in the centre of it. Yeah, well, that's right. I think that uh, we are definitely in a, a soft market for housing. Obviously, we had a very hot market for a while, and that is reversing. And that hits both it hits lenders both in terms of the fact that as property prices go down, you can have um, some people that come, become distressed, although I don't think we've seen any of that really so far. And uh, the other thing is that Obviously, there are just fewer new loans that they're making. Now, this hits uh, Pepper extra hard as well because not only can the fact that um, wholesale funding becomes uh, more difficult, that can be something that hurts their profits in terms of the NIM, as Luke was just saying. But on top of that, eventually, it can just make it difficult for them to grow, to find the financing, to continue to make more um, originations. Now, I'm not saying that's the problem with Pepper money now, but I'm just saying that, you know, it's... Uh, not, it's not guaranteed that they can eat, always keep on lending more and more in, in a tougher funding environment and yep. it could become less economical for them. And then the other final point I wanted to make, which is a bit of the negative that actually there's a main negative that I don't like, is the fact that they also have around 25%, a little bit less than 25% of their book is in asset finance, so like not mortgages. I actually think the mortgages part of their business will be okay because even though property does go down a fair bit, sometimes um generally people will keep on they don't want to become it like people don't sell their house and, and default on a loan or anything unless they really really have to people will if, as long as they've got a job as long as they're okay they'll keep on paying and, and it'll be fine so i'm less worried about the mortgages and more concerned about you know the value of a used car or, or whatever mm. other physical asset that's been financed i think that that's where they might run into some trouble and that's probably the bit that makes me a bit wary having said that look it is actually quite like lowly priced so um you know i wouldn't say it's outrageously priced it's just it is i would note that it is a company that deserves to be on a fairly low multiple final point is for me i don't tend to invest in this kind of thing because it is leveraged to the housing market now everyone's position is different but i say as an investor think about your whole holistic situation as your family obviously see your own personal financial advisor if you need to in my situation i already my family like has property so we already got um you know, we're influenced by the property prices anyway, so I probably don't need to like add more risk on right. property prices, okay. etc. Yep. All right. Um, let's go to our next stock, and uh, Claude David wants a view on uh, Swoop, um, a, a little telco in the uh, in wholesale business and residential customers for um, fibre and fixed wireless. It sort of was a bit of an MBN type stock, is it? Yeah, so I think you often see, you know, and we saw a few of them recently, these sort of uh, smaller telcos that are listed with a view to essentially rolling up a bunch of uh, other companies. You know, there's a bit of a, a situation where they like to list on the stock exchange so they can get money for both um, acquisitions, but also to roll out their physical network. Now, that this can be uh, a good kind of play if you get it at the right price and the problem with swoop at the moment is it's still very much in capex mode so even though it does have or in its last quarter it did have 3.3 million in, in uh net cash from operating activities uh they these guys are still investing heavily in the capex of their network and stuff like that and 
you know, they only had bank balances of about 22 million. So, of course, these guys will be able to probably raise capital they can borrow. Like, I'm not saying that they're in some sort of funding squeeze. They're not. But I like to try and get this kind of business when it's more at an inflection point where it's just at that point where free cash flows are coming from negative to positive. And that's when um, the risk is much, much, much lower basically at that point. But you can still get some upside because once those free cash flows start coming, then Swoop itself, if it remained really low, I reckon could become a takeover target. If not, mm. it's, if it's got free cash flow, it's got free cash flow, it's going to keep going. Um, and if, they, if they're doing sensible ROI, that free cash flow will grow over time. It becomes a sort of self-funding mechanism. That's when I'm looking to buy Swoop. Okay. At this point, it's still too early for me. Right. Luke? Um, yeah, so in that, in that roll-up phase, but you've got a management and a board that are experienced in that strategy. The old you know, XM2 with James Spensley as the chair. Um, it, it's been on a few times, Koshi. I've been relatively positive on it in the past, and I was very surprised to see just how far it's continued to fall. Mm. Um, you know, because there's there's a real business here. There's real assets, real cash flow. And I agree with Claude. They're still in that CapEx phase, sort of free cash flow level. There's still an outflow. and uh, probably expected to be for the next couple of quarters. Management, I think, have a, a target for exiting FY23 um, at, at a free cash flow positive level. So maybe that last quarter, you'll see you'll see them tip into that that pivot as as Ford was alluding to. Um, for me, though, one thing I saw was um, a very hefty share buyback. So you know, three and a, uh, just under three and a half million dollars in the first quarter on a share buyback. Now, the, the current market cap's only a tick over 70 mil. So, you know, you've got a, a management team and a board that are obviously seeing the, the, the value in their share price right now. And I sort of back them to the point where mm. I, I don't think they would be spending $3 million that if they thought they needed that in their business. So right. I think they see a clear, clear path to free cash flow. So they view their current cash balances cash balance as discretionary and using it very heavily for the the, the share buyback um completely debt free as well with some facilities in place so um this is another one uh, again i don't have the viewer's name but but like Weststar, i I've, it's sort of been on my periphery for a while but i'm going to go and have a really close look at it okay. I, I suspect claude is right i think if you wait maybe a couple more quarters and just make sure that path the free cash flow is coming through but at 30 odd cents today, that the leverage to the upside, if, if management are able to execute that plan, looks looks very interesting to me. So okay. I would definitely hold it if you're there, and I, and I put it on my watch list to have a, a much closer look. Okay, all right, thank you for that, David. Swoop, bring it to our attention, uh, fellas. We'll need to get a wriggle on with these last two because we're running out of time. Luke George wants a view on Silk Laser, the uh, non-surgical, basically skincare business. Um, franchise clinics right around the country? Yeah, look, another one that's come up a few times, and I've been moderately positive on it in the past. Um, Looking at it again today, I still probably remain, you know, I would hold it if you're there. I guess I'll put it that way, Koshi. Um, I do see some things where you you keep a close eye on them. Now, the first one is they made a big acquisition, basically doubled the size of the business with an acquisition. And you're doing that as we're coming into a pretty questionable consumer environment. I, I think this sort of product, um, the the laser injectables, um, the the cool sculpt freezing they do, I think it's quite discretionary. And and we'll wait and see how it holds up into right. 2023. Um, on a valuation level, I think that's where you get some support at, at current levels. Um, and the other one as well to keep an eye on. It, it's hard to do, but you know there's media articles about it. 
which is the um, Laser Clinics Australia, is by far their biggest competitor. It's, it's owned by KKR, the large private yep. equity firm. Um, they're looking to float that business or, or do something with that business. So keep an eye on that. See, see what's happening with KKR and Laser Clinics Australia. Um, there's been reports it's actually been struggling a little bit and some unhappy okay. franchisees. So that could bode well for, for Silk Laser. Um, I would hold it if you're there, but definitely just keep an eye mm. on those issues. Um, actually, AGM is is in a fortnight's time. I, you know, okay. that, that will be very important to see how those sales have held up. Like Accent today, if you've seen sure. those sales really hold up, you know, then it's one you could certainly have a, a much closer look at. Yep, Claude. Ah, uh, look, I I don't love it at all. I think that you know it has not this just. I agree with what Luke said. To add on that, it does have debt. That brings some risk. I don't love that. I do not like the idea of a company that's got discretionary demand, or at least to a degree. Now, you have to think of each little store, if it loses um, 30% of demand, could become into a loss-making situation. So if there's like an across-the-board thing of these smaller discretionary businesses, it could go into a lumpy, bumpy period where it has debt, so it's not um, in such a strong position to take advantage of that distress in others. So for me, definitely, if you're going to do discretionary, stick to something with the Fortress balance sheet um, and also or, or stick to something with a really long history of um, performing very well. Okay. All right, our last stock uh, that we need to get through before the top of the hour. Damien wants a view, Claude, on Telex Pharmaceuticals, the, uh, the biotech company in uh, cancer treatment. Yeah, right. So for this one, um, look, I can I can be reasonably quick on it because essentially I don't have the scientific knowledge to make a sort of judgment on this. And that really is my what I'd say to argue for this kind of thing. It's very hard for a normal person who doesn't have a scientific background to really guess at the probability that these kind of things um, will, will take off. So... Um, Telex looks quite interesting, obviously gotten a lot of traction in the actual numbers. And so from that perspective, I would say, yeah, like just wait until uh, the profits start coming in and then you could just sort of right. analyze it from that point of view. I don't like at the moment, yes, I can see from the numbers, it's got something, but at the same time, it's still not profitable. So I would, t I would just say, I'm going to invest in pharmaceutical companies at a later stage because I don't have that expertise right. to be an early investor on them. Okay, Luke? Yeah, I agree with that main point. Unless you've got the expertise, these early stages are, are quite risky. Um, they've got one key, um, it's not actually a drug, it's, a, it's an imaging agent um, for prostate cancer, which appears to be doing really well. Um, yeah. Sold $54 million um, worth of that just in the last quarter alone. Um, just quickly though, one, one um, point I would make to people, it's, it's a very helpful um, tip when you're looking at a company, is uh, I like to look at the business before looking at the chart or the market cap. So I think sometimes the looking at those things first can sort of um, mm. you know influence how you then analyze the business. When I looked at the numbers, I thought this looked relatively interesting. You know, they're, they're, clearly those sales are going in the right direction. That cash burn dropped way down. You can see them pivoting into, into you know, possibly profitability very quickly. And then I looked at that market cap, $2.2 billion. It's, you know, there's so much already priced into that stock. And I suspect most of that valuation is, is the drugs that they've got coming in the pipeline. As Claude alluded to, I just struggle to, to really, yeah. you know, justify that sort of um, valuation okay. or aspect to it. So, All right. um, look, I would hold it if you're there. If you're someone who does have that expertise, yeah, have a look at something like this. But for other people, wait for them to hit that point of profitability. It's much easier to value at that point yep. than where they are. Now. Really good point. 
Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital. Great to see you. Cole Walker, likewise, from uh, A Rich Life. Thank you, gents. Enjoy your weekend. Appreciate your time on a Friday. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. Touch Ventures, a no from both. Uh, Luke saying, if you're in it, might as well uh, hold it. Uh, Pepper Money, a hold from Luke, a no from uh, Claude. Uh, Swoop, both on their on their watch list to do some um, more work in. Silk Laser, a hold from Luke, a no from uh, Claude. And Telex, uh, a no from Claude. Uh, for Luke, if you're in it, hold it, but he wouldn't put any new money into it. Um, if you want any stocks for, for me to, uh, any of your stocks to put to our expert panel, put them in an email to call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the Osbiz TV handle. Uh, you can see all the stocks in the calls portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Coming up on the small caps decks, Philip Pepe from, uh, from Shaw is with us to look at ag stocks. You don't want to miss it. He's on after this.